0: Pray with me, would you? Okay, thank you that you are so real. You never shied away from anyone. God, even most of us would be tempted to take ourselves out of the equation saying, who are we that the Son of the living God should pay any attention to us? Who are we? God, every woman, every man, every child you encountered, you loved and you revealed yourself to them. But God, is it possible that you would do that again here? God, there are genuine worshipers here. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that you love worshipers. God, that's what we were created to do. But I'm grateful also that you love doubters. Even even your 12, God. When they met with you on the mountain, some worshiped but. Many doubted and you loved them and you entrusted the truth of the gospel to them. God, I thank you that you love religious people. Even when we get carried away and begin to put our faith in our religious acts instead of in the object of our worship. Thank you that you love religious types. And thank you especially. Jesus, thank you that you Love those who are even far from you. Oh, we know there there will come a day, there will be a day of judgment, but this is not the day. There will be a time, Jesus, when, when because of the Father's perfect plan, you will call into account all those. Those who have heard you or those who just witnessed your creation. Those who have responded you and those who have rejected you. There will be a day when you call all of us to you, but this is not the day. This is the day of, of grace and mercy. This is the day when you, when you invite us again to choose you, the Lamb of God. God, thank you that you understand our condition. You wept over it beside Lazarus' tomb. Thank you that you even understand the dilemma that we're in. God, to choose you and to respond to you would mean not choosing the world, not choosing the ways that much of the people around us are engaging in. Um, God, you, you know the dilemma that we are in. You mercifully just invite you, trust me, believe in me, Put your weight down on what I've done on your behalf. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to wash over us today. As we sang just a moment ago, break our hearts, God, with the things that break your heart. Allow us, not out of pride and, and, and protection of our hearts, but out of brokenness and, and awareness of our own sin, to be able to love you and respond to you. And, God, maybe, if it's possible, to lead other broken hearts to you as well. And, Jesus, I'm just so grateful for this privilege of these days of walking with you through your suffering, walking with you through the silence, walking with you through the joy of your resurrection. Speak to us, would you? God, grant us everything we need to be faithful to this path that you have laid before us. Grant us amazing courage. Grant us such a sense of your presence and of our belovedness that we could trust you as we walk with you this week. And God, I just rejoice for how we'll be different a week from now as a result. So, Holy Spirit, reign in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Become the living Word of God, which gives us moment by moment everything we need to follow you. Heavenly Father, let us in our brokenness crawl up into your lap and hear you speak words of love over us. Hear you sing over us, even as we have sung over you today. Oh, we love you. We commit ourselves to you this Palm Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue in worship together as we receive our tithes and our sacrificial gifts. If you are a guest here today, this is just a part of our worship. There's no expectation of you. But I would invite you to risk putting the card in the basket, risk trusting Jesus for your only provision today. And then we will open his word and we will let him speak to us. Children, if you would like to join other children who are, are meeting their friends in the back of the sanctuary. They have a special time of church uh, worship for children. You can meet your teachers in the back even as we receive our offering.
1: Please open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14a. It can be found on pages 53 and 54 of your pew Bible, the Passover. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two door posts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: And again from Revelation chapter 9. Revelation is the last book in your Bible. Excuse me, Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. And I looked, John says, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from every tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Can I get an Amen? Amen. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. One more time. Amen. Amen.
2: Belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb, praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, Amen. Your church with us as we sing together. Salvation belongs to our There we
0: is the deal with this lamb thing? Right? I was, I was thinking as I was praying over this message how many of the, the things that were so clear to people in even Jesus' time, much less Moses' time, were, were so clear to them, but not not at all clear to us. So I wanted to take a few moments with you today and try and piece together. Isn't it interesting? Because right there in Exodus, at the very beginning of the story of God's people, this lamb is such a prominent, prominent figure. And then you jump all the way. All the way to the last book, the very back of the book, the place where all the answers are found. And guess what? You find this lamb again. We didn't have time to go and and investigate the whole passage there. But something very tragic was going on in Revelation. Something will go on in the future because John was actually looking Toward the end of time, Something very tragic was happening in the end of times. See, the, the, the word of the Lord had come in the form of scrolls. And, and the problem was it, it, it needed someone who was worthy to open the scroll. Uh, and, and so they began looking. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And there was no one. This is astounding. There was no one in heaven at that time... Who was worthy to open the scroll? And then, and then the lamb appears. And I don't know how any other way to put this, but that the, the, John describes it in Revelation as as a lamb looking like it was slain. You going, what? What? I mean. It would be odd enough to have a a lamb that was able to open the scroll, but this was a lamb looking like it was slain. And all of a sudden, the people in that amazing situation in heaven began to cry out, Worthy, worthy is the lamb. There was one who was worthy. There was one who was this lamb of God who was worthy. So it's really important to us. To remind ourselves, what is, who is this Lamb? I know that many of you already, your minds have jumped to the final conclusion. But, but don't, miss, don't miss the details. I think it will help you to understand who this Lamb of God is. We began by going back to the Exodus story. And you remember that God's people for, for 400 years were caught up in bondage. In bondage to the Egyptians. And I'm so mindful as we gather for worship here today that so many of us are caught up in bondage. Not to Egyptians, but certainly to the gods of the Egyptians. Certainly to the, the, the false gods that would draw our attention away from the living God. We're in bondage. Joe. We can't find our way out. We can't break out of that bondage. Uh, whether it's as simple as, as a, a, a malt ball addiction that I have, I'm sorry to confess that right here blatantly in front of you, or or as complex as um, generational sin, which has come down the family tree and which you're desperately trying to break and to be freed from. At whatever level, we exist in that kind of bondage too. And so, God gave a way for them to be delivered. And it's a very familiar story, but for some it might be new. Forgive me for just a moment as I walk back with you in that. Nine times, nine times, God revealed His glory and His power to the Egyptians, to Pharaoh in particular, and said, Let my people go. You know, I, I, we're done here. Their time here has ended. And and eight of those times, at least, he said, I'll let him go, and then hardened his heart again and did not let him go. And so God delivered on Egypt what is absolutely horrific to us. God delivered the final plague. And the final plague was the loss of their firstborn, Right? Let that sink in for a minute. Are you feeling it? Not just not just of their cattle, though that include their cattle, not just of their their flocks, that would include their flocks, but also of their family. And 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 on that night the angel of death swept through Egypt and anyone, anyone who was not prepared lost. Their firstborn, and that includes, by the way, the Israelites if they did not respond to God's direction. So, what was that direction? The direction was to take a lamb into your home and keep it in your home for four days, and then on the night which now we know of as Passover, you are to slaughter yes, slaughter that lamb. And again. I I buy my meat in nicely wrapped plastic styrofoam containers, uh, looking very antiseptic. Thank you, and I like it that way. But that's a relatively late thing, isn't it? For most of human history, people slaughtered their own food. They understood that for them to be sustained, something else might have to be sacrificed, right? And, and God took that one further step with them. Now, not just for sustenance, not just for, for uh, something to eat, but now for them to be saved spiritually, something else would have to be sacrificed. God's saying, I'm giving you a way out, and the way out is to put your weight down on this lamb. Let this perfect, unblemished lamb be a substitute for your firstborn. And, and, and for those who would risk... Trusting God in that, who would risk sacrificing a lamb who had been in their home for four days? I was about to use the cat analogy, but that's a poor analogy. In my, I'd be easily sacrificed the cat in my house. Um, a pet in their home now was sacrificed for for their firstborn. And then, and he said, take the blood of that sacrificed lamb and put it on the doorposts. I can't explain this to you. I've seen movie renditions of this, but I can't explain how it happened. All I do know is that the Spirit of God came by that home, saw the blood of the Lamb on the door, and did not take the firstborn of that house. So deeply embedded in the understanding of Scripture is that God loves us so much that He is willing to sacrifice something else for us. But that was an incredible burden to bear, to constantly have to offer animal sacrifices. God, in his wisdom, found another way. Do you remember when, when the disciples of John first encountered Jesus? My memory is telling me that it's at the baptism of Jesus when they first encountered Jesus. John the Baptist Said to them, to these others, his own disciples, said to them, Behold, help me, the Lamb of God. This is a human being now. They're going to be going, go, What? He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And immediately, two of those disciples began to follow Jesus. Another one went and grabbed his brother and brought him, and Peter joined this motley crew that was gathering around this human that John the Baptist was calling the Lamb of God. It's critical for us to wrap our brains around the Lamb of God. And it's critical this day for us to do that. Well, what do we find out now? Looking to the whole of Scripture, what do we find out about this human Lamb of God? As we just sang, this Lamb saves This lamb saves. When you put your weight down on this lamb, rather than on your own righteousness or your own abilities or your own good works, when you put your weight down on this lamb, this lamb saves. Did you hear it in the Revelation passage? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Well, saves from what? Well, Clearly, the consequences of our disobedience saves us from death. Remember, we were created to live forever. And in fact, every soul, every human soul lives forever. The question is whether that soul lives in peace or whether that soul lives in turmoil. This lamb saves us from the consequences of our own brokenness, our own disobedience, our own sins. You remember Paul in that very first stop on the Romans road in, in Romans 323 says, the wages of sin is death. And and for again, for just like it's hard to wrap our brains around a lamb being sacrificed, it's hard for us to believe that the consequences of our own sin would be death. But even even Governments recognize that. Right? The wages of sin is death So this lamb. Saves us from death. How? How does he save us? By exchanging his life for ours. by, By substituting himself in our place. By taking the consequences of all of our sin upon himself. By freeing us from the illusion that somehow we might be able to save ourselves. And I find myself, even having walked with this Lamb of God for for four decades, I find myself still succumbing to that temptation to try by my own strength to save myself. I love the way um, Tim Keller put it. Um, he tried to summarize the Gospel, and I first encountered it in a book on marriage, the meaning of marriage, but he probably said it many times. Tim Keller says, The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared imagine. Wow. I'm not that bad, Pastor Dave. I mean, if God grades on a curve, you know, I'm a B-minus maybe, but I'm still... I'm still a lot better than most of the people around us. No. No, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared imagine. And yet, and Tim, Tim understood this from the beauty of the gospel, there's always more to the story, and yet, at the very same time, we are more loved. We are more accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. He saves us by becoming us, by becoming the, the punishment for our sins and, and reveals to us that we're more loved. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We are so loved and accepted in Jesus Christ far beyond what we ever Dared hope. So this lamb saves, but this lamb is also sufficient. This lamb was the only one in all of creation. Save God the Father and the Holy Spirit, the only one in all of creation that was worthy to open the scrolls. That was worthy. Why would that be important? Because if I tried to die for you, I'm dead in my own sins. I can't even save myself. I've got to breathe here once in a while. I can't even save myself. But Jesus Christ lived 33 years on this earth without sin. When He offered Himself in our place, then He was offering a pure and unblemished lamb. One who was worthy. One who would be sufficient for our sins. This lamb does save this lamb is also sufficient. This lamb is all you need. But this lamb is also sovereign. It's not like his one purpose was to come and, and die in our place and then to say, I hope that it works out from here for you you see i i trusted this lamb in 1973 for the for the very first time but my life has been a a story of ups and downs of of feeling very close to god through jesus christ and then and then being very close to my own self and my own will instead but but the word of god says that that This Lamb not only died for our sins, but now reigns over us. 1 Corinthians, which we're going to look at next week in in association with Easter. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy, the last enemy is death. So, so this lamb gave himself in our place, but now continues to reign. This lamb is sovereign over us. He's worthy of our trust because he still is sovereign over every situation. But Pastor Dave, you don't understand my situation. I don't have to, because he does. And he's sovereign over it. But, but, but he didn't have anything to do with it. I'm the one. He's still sovereign over that. God not done yet. He's still proving Himself glorious over you. This Lamb reigns and will continue to reign. That's what's so beautiful to me. As horrific as the visual is of, of getting to heaven and seeing one like a lamb who was slain, but God wanted us to make this connection. God wanted us to understand that that same lamb is the one who rules on the throne and, and has and will and will continue to for all eternity. This lamb is, is, saves us. This lamb is sufficient. This lamb is sovereign over us. Here's the, here's the punchline, though. On this day. See, it was, this day was never called Palm Sunday, right? It, it, it took that name from, from the habit that they were doing of, of waving palms before Jesus, right? But that habit had a history, and you're familiar with it, most of you. 150 years before, the people had rebelled against the Roman authority and won a temporary victory, and being poor with nothing but sticks and and farm implements to do battle with, they had no banners, they had no flags. Their flag of rebellion, their flag of saying, we're going to break out from under the oppression of the Romans, was a palm branch. And so when they're waving palm branches at Jesus, they're saying, save us from the Romans. And Jesus says, oh, I can see from so much more than that. From so much more than that. So it wasn't Palm Sunday to Jesus. It was a very important day. Uh, Tom actually read about it in Exodus. It was Lamb Selection Day, right? It was the day four days before the Passover when when every family was commanded and, and hear this word, you guys, because he said this is for all time, when every family was commanded to take a lamb that was worthy, unblemished, to take an unblemished lamb and to put their weight down on its sacrifice for their deliverance. I and mean, it's so beautiful because he says if you can't afford one that's all right just make that known and someone else will draw you into their family it, you know this, let's let's get everyone who's willing to risk trusting and believing god and and let's celebrate this together this was the day when when they were to choose the worthy lamb to be their sacrifice. Do you understand how important this was? If you chose a leftover lamb, if you chose an unworthy substitute for yourself, then, then there was no Passover. I'm making this up as I go along, but there was a pass through instead. And, and so it was a critical choice that they were making. So why did
1: Jesus choose this
0: day to come into Jerusalem? Such a beautiful picture, isn't it? Coming from Bethany, two miles outside on the other side of, of the Mount of Olives from Jesus. Bethany, the very place where just a few weeks before he had raised Lazarus from the dead, right? We were showing this morning that, that the little town of Bethphage between Bethany and Jerusalem is still to this day called the Muslim name for Lazarus. They remember to this day in the naming of their town... That Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. but so many of the disciples who had witnessed that were still overwhelmed. Could this be the Messiah? And they began with their voices to begin to say, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and, and then like someone else took up that, that refrain. Yeah, blessed is he who comes in the name Hosanna. Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the one who comes. And pretty soon there's a riot going on. A riot so much so that the, the religious types of the day said, you've got to shut them, Jesus, for a lot of reasons. But one is that the Romans are going to hear of this and the Romans are going to crush us like a bug. Jesus, you've got to do something. And, and Jesus said, if I shut him up, all of creation is going to cry out. All of creation. And that might be a word for some of us. Because we're so afraid of what people will say if we identify ourselves as a follower of Jesus. We're so afraid of losing our jobs or, 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 or suffering some minor indignity because we identify ourselves with Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't understand. If you don't speak, the creation itself is going to speak. Creation is going to cry out. So, So this... Jesus chose this day to come to Jerusalem and when he gets to the point, and some of you have been there, we've celebrated this before, when he come over the rise, we happen to do it when I was with many of you, we happened to do it right at sunset, do you remember that? And, And we came over the top of the hill probably on, if not feet from where Jesus did, very close to where Jesus did, and came over and saw for the first time, in our experience, the city of Jerusalem bathed in the evening sunset, and it was gorgeous. I can imagine if the temple had been there, what, how overwhelming that would have been. And, and, and this crowd of people coming over the hill and gazing for the first time on the city of Jerusalem where you're expected you'd expect them to just be overwhelmed and, and, and shout all the more. But Jesus isn't shouting. Jesus is, is doing what he had done just a few weeks before when he was at Lazarus' tomb. Jesus is weeping. You go, why, Jesus, are you weeping? Did you hear it in our scripture? Did you hear it? Jesus is weeping because he's saying, would that you, even you, Luke does not want even us to get away from this. Jesus is saying, would that even you had known on this day what could bring you peace but now it's hidden from your eyes. And you know, as Paul Harvey would have said, the rest of the story, right? You know that those same people who were crying out,
1: Hosanna, save us.
0: People were crying out, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Just five days later, they were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And I would throw stones at them, except I think I have been there. I think when times when I expected God to act a certain way or to do something in a certain way for me and He didn't do it, uh, no, I would rather that you were dead to me, Jesus, than that I would change my perspective. And that's why Jesus wept.
1: Because some of us,
0: many of us, maybe most of us, are trusting in ourselves instead of in Jesus. Hear the good news. This is not the time for judgment. This is, chronologically, but in, in a very personal way, this is Lamb Selection Day. So what are you going to do? In whom or what are you going to put your trust for your salvation? No? That there is only one who is worthy. There is only one who loved you so much to offer himself in your place. There is only one who can carry the burden. That's way way too heavy for you to carry. And his name His name is Jesus. Pray with me for a moment, would you? Thank you, um, Jesus. There's so many prophecies that you could not control. Um, they prophesied about you, and you fulfilled them, I think, of Isaiah 53, and the exact description of your holy week. And it was beyond your control. but God, you gave it to us as a witness. You've given us so many witnesses, God, of, of why you are worthy of our trust. Help us this Lamb Selection Day to look beyond our own selves, to look beyond even beyond the religious solutions that, that we have proposed over these times and to look upon the Lamb of God, looking as if he was slain. To be able to say, Jesus, I want you to rejoice over me, not to weep over me. Jesus, I receive you as my lamb. I receive your blood in place of mine. I will be marked by your sacrifice throughout my life on this earth so that somehow, some way, in this mystery of grace that I barely understand, I may stand with you in glory and hear you say to me, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Be glorified. Oh, until that day, God, help us to put our weight down on you and you alone. And having trusted ourselves to you, to lift up our eyes to those around us. To invite them to walk with us as we walk with you. To be like Andrew who went and got Peter and said, you've got to come. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Lamb of God? Help us, God, to risk everything so that we might gain Christ. And God, we will give you the praise and we will give you the glory. In Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, let me just ask you for a second. If you believed this word to be truth, come on up, worship team. If you believed this word to be true, what, what would need to change? How would your life be different? You see, if we just constantly hear truths and never Never put them into practice, never allow them to change us, then then we of all people are to be pitied. We're like the lepers who discovered that, that the Amalekites had gone and left all these riches and we kept them for ourselves. If we will not put his word into practice, then who will? What will you do? I invite you to even... Take a moment as we sing. The most important thing when you hear the word of God is to respond to it. I will do this, and here's when I will do it. Make a note to yourself. Risk sharing that with someone you trust. Secondly, especially this Lamb Selection Day, you see, there are yet five days until the crucifixion, right? There are people who don't know. There are people who have heard but haven't put their weight down. Who are you going to tell? what God is doing in your life. Who are you going to tell what Jesus has done for you? Write their name down. Make a plan for telling them. Because the gospel advances, no, the kingdom advances one surrendered life at a time. Let's offer ourselves to God in that regard. Let that surrendered life be mine, Lord Jesus. And then if God would allow, we'll come together a week from now and, and not just declare worthy is the Lamb. We will, we will declare He is risen together. Amen? Stand with us as we sing our closing song together.
1: For the cross lord thank you for the price you paid bearing all my sin and shame in love you.